So welcome to another episode of the Venari podcast. As part of our Health Tech CEO series, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome Cal Patel, CEO and founder of Bright Insight. Welcome to the Venari podcast, Cal. Thanks for having me, Christian. Brilliant. No doubt we will at some point kind of dive into to Bright Insight. But before that, I just wanted to, to give us a little context and go more into your early life. And, and would you consider yourself a born entrepreneur? Uh, no, I never actually thought about being an entrepreneur, uh, you know, as a child or frankly, early in my early in my career. Uh, and that was actually something that sort of born out over the last 10, 10 years or so. So definitely did not embark with that in, in my uh, original DNA. Because I know that like, you know, obviously, we've known each other for some time. And, you know, you had a pretty enviable life, didn't you? Kind of before founding Bright Insight, great job with Amgen, life in California, you know, time with the kids, etc. You know, why did you give all that up? basically to start a a company so yeah i was working um you know at boston consulting group for many years as you know and then was at pharma at novartis and then at amgen and and all those experiences were actually i would say enviable and fantastic and and learned a lot and had a great impact in in all three places you know at amgen when i left for entrepreneurship i uh, left from amgen that i'd found and was leading the digital health group at the time and that's what really opened my sort of an you know, internal entrepreneur role, if you will, within the company. Uh, but that really opened my eyes to, you know, what was really happening from a technology perspective. Um, Cause I never saw myself as, uh, you know, a savvy user of technology. I've never taken an engineering class in my life. I don't know how to code. Um, yeah. But what was obvious to me was that technology was already, and this is a decade ago now, mature enough to have a tremendous impact on healthcare. And we were really seeing, um, you know, very little of that actually come through in the real world and, and even less than that at scale. Um, so, you know, seeing that um, really, I don't know, struck a chord me around, you know, what felt like just such a huge opportunity to have impact. And that has been something, I guess, that's been with me for a long time since my early days is, is sort of a desire to work on really interesting problems that, you know, with great people that can have huge impact. And, and that's what I saw, you know, in terms of, um, the technology side and specifically, you know, going down the path of ultimately the entrepreneur side and, um, and, you know, maybe sort of a bit of, you know, the personal side to, I think what you were inferring in your question, um, look, you know, I think for you know that view, like we have one life to live and life, you know, you want to make the most of that. And you really, you know, don't want to be looking back on what you, you know, you know, with regret and, and too many things. And I think I genuinely believe in this notion of people more often end up regretting the paths not taken versus the paths taken. And, and, you know, again, Amgen, you know, was, is fantastic. And I have lots of great friends and colleagues still there doing great work. Uh, but for me personally, you know, just saw the opportunity to to do something very different, to learn in a very different environment, to have impact in a very different way. That was um, something I just felt I would really regret if I didn't jump into and try. On that, really, I mean, you mentioned kind of, I suppose, you know, jumping out of Amgen and, and obviously starting Brightinsight, but why why Brightinsight? Maybe tell us a bit about Brightinsight as a company, you know, what it is you do and what kind of separates you, I suppose, from, from your competitors. So the idea for Brian Insight actually comes from the Amgen experience. My two co-founders come from, from that same team. And what we were doing was thinking about how do we leverage technology to improve the real world performance of our drugs, right? So, you know, like other pharma companies out there, we were building, you know, we were um, doing the research and then commercializing these 
amazing therapies that had, you know, tremendous impact on different diseases, different patients and families' lives. Um, yet, you know, I don't think any drug gets the full world impact of what the medicine can do. And there's all sorts of reasons for that. Some of those very important reasons could actually be meaningfully addressed by leveraging technology. And so that was really kind of the core at what we were doing at, at Amgen with the digital health group. Um, but one of the things that we learned through our progress or successes, our failures, was that to do this type of innovation in pharma and medical device companies, you know, obviously operating in the regulated space. And, um, you know, we could have POCs, but when you think about scale and taking that scale across patients, across different types of let's say, diseases or drugs, across different countries, um, that was a really formidable challenge that pharma, frankly, wasn't well equipped to tackle. And uh, and so what we saw was this future where, you know, not just what we were doing at Amgen, but across the board, there'd be a much larger leveraging of technology wrapped around drugs. And we wanted to be that infrastructure provider to be able to do that in a compliant way, right? So the whole notion of the company was how do we bring the complexity? How do we bring the activation energy required? How do we bring the cost and effort um, required to do digital health innovation at scale for a pharma or medical device company. And so we built the infrastructure for that. And so today, you know, Bright Insight works with, um, you know, the majority of the top 10 companies and, and, you know, others that are not in the top 10 across pharma and medical device companies. Our customers, you know, range from uh, working with us from ultra rare diseases and rare diseases all the way through to, you know, some of the most common illnesses, um, you know, out there. So really that whole spectrum. And it's various pain points, but what's common is these pain points are fundamentally leveraging a common technology stack that we've built. And that, you know, from day one, it's all about regulatory compliance and so meeting the most stringent requirements in 64 countries from a regulatory compliance perspective, as well as, you know, the quality side of things. And then importantly, also data privacy, data security. Yeah. Um, you know, so an analogy I use is, uh, or an example I use is, you know, when I was, again, in pharma myself, you know, most pharma companies were building their own private clouds, you know, because they had sort of this notion that, that that was the better, safer, more robust way to do it. And now I think, you know, there's a massive shift, right, towards, you know, the large cloud providers because people recognize, well, you know, one of these large cloud providers might be employing 5,000 security people, right, versus how many are you going to employ at a single pharma company, right? And, yeah. and so you start thinking about any aspect of this, and you're going to just, you know, get a specialist partner to enable you way faster than trying to do it yourself. And, and that's the core focus of the company and 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 that's what we've you know stayed for true you know true to since the beginning you guys have obviously had rocket ship success and then also challenges as well how have you managed to sail through these choppy waters you know why is bright insight still kind of you know um running well basically yeah and no, i appreciate that question so yeah as you said look we've had lots of progress and successes i mean we did our series a financing about four years ago and i kind of think back to what the company was then and what we're at now it's just completely night and day from you know customer base perspective from a product perspective you know from a user perspective you know proof points etc so certainly you know the we've had you know a good run on progress but to your point a lot of learnings you know setbacks you know, wins probably, you know, it's, it's all that, right. But you kind of want to, you want to know kind of ideally, you know, day to day or you're, you're moving forward more than you are, you know, sometimes going sideways or backwards. I think for us, you, you know, the, a couple of things I would point to in terms of to your point around what have we done to try to navigate as effectively as we can. Um, you know, number one comes back to your earlier question. We've been really focused, right? I think a lot of digital health companies got too, um, 
fragmented or too, you know, broad in, in the problems they were trying to tackle. And I think the problem we're trying to tackle is complex enough uh, that we weren't trying to tackle, you know, more than one yeah. complex problem, right? And so we're really focused on how do you build, um, you know, these type of companion apps, et cetera, that ultimately over time, you know, uh, either start with needing regulatory or, or maybe, you know, uh, evolve to that, right? And so, so we're very focused on serving, you know, serving that, that uh, platform capability. Um, and what that means is we've been spending heavily on R&D around that, right? So again, four years ago, I kind of described the company as having a compliant, but, uh, you know, not very intelligent platform. Um, so we had the basics of a, com a very compliant infrastructure. You know, we put $100 million of R&D over the years into our, our, our products. So now we have an incredibly robust, configurable products on top of our platform. And so that means for pharma companies and in vitro diagnostic companies in the medical device space, they're getting something that saves them a tremendous amount of time to market. You know, it's super robust when they kick the tires on it or look for proof points. And, you know, we've gone up the learning and experience curve of building that tech, seeing what worked, what didn't work, what we needed to tweak, you know, et cetera, right? So it's a culmination of, I think, you know, again, being very focused and then learning from learning from our execution, right? Learning from what worked and, and learning from what didn't work. Um, and then, you know, I think the third uh, part I would say is, um, you know, the culture here, uh, the culture here is very mission driven. Um, yeah. And I think when, you know, the, you know, we talk a lot about that the work we're doing is extremely hard. Um, and, you know, there's going to be days that feel like punches in the gut or tough, or you don't want to get out of bed. And, and it's like, what do you tap into at that point? Right. And I think for us, we tap into our mission and we yeah. frankly, we tap into each other. Right. And we lift each other up uh, and, and you know, we challenge each other, but also lift each other up through that. Right. So it's a combination of those things. And, but look, I will say uh, the macro environment and specifically, you know, what's happening within healthcare and, and kind of the demands that pharma and med tech have, uh, you know, I think have really ratcheted up the bar on their digital partners. I think that's just made us stronger, right? It's forced us to, to you know, even, um, you know, get even more focused, you know, tighter on our execution, you know, be better partners, you know, et cetera, right? So so I think, you know, the challenging environment has, has been good, you know, good for us and good for the uh, overall ecosystem. My final question really, Cal, would be, do you have any advice for future founders? Yeah, I think we need like 10 podcasts for that. Uh, not, that <laughs> not, not, not that I'm saying all my advice is uh, you know, spot on. Well, one is you actually should get advice from a portfolio of people. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, if I think of myself, you know, I have a broad set of really trusted network and that's a combination of, you know, the obvious stuff like board members and stuff, but I have other entrepreneurs within healthcare, but many that are actually not in healthcare. Uh, uh, you know, mentors that have retired, have built companies, and have gone through you know the you know the the process and the successes and the failures, etc. I have person people you know I really get connect and recharge with on you know the sort of the mental emotional you know side of things as well. So I think having kind of a broad network is actually really important because you know, being an entrepreneur actually can be a very lonely job, um, you know, because you're, you know, you, you sort of feel, you know, the weight of, you know, the team, the company, you know, your investors kind of on your shoulders. Um, so I think having a set of folks that can give you different perspectives that you can then, you know, digest and and get your own point of view on is, 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 is an important piece of advice. And I think a lot of folks think they need to have all the answers. And, and um, so I would certainly advise against that. Um, I think the second point I would really highlight is, this, you know, personally, I think it really needs to be something that you are just extremely passionate about, because doing this is extremely hard. 
and the sacrifices you make, not just from, you know, you know, sort of hours put in and kind of emotional strain, but, but, you know, most people who are successful entrepreneurs, they have alternatives to make a really great living doing something else. Right. And so kind of on all aspects, it's a massive trade-off and, and, uh, and it's going to be really challenging, you know, you know, very few companies in the history of companies being built are truly that sort of, you know, one directional rocket ship. Um, and, you know, you look at every successful company out there, they have many stories of, you know, near brink, uh, you know, death or other challenges that they navigated, you know, almost at all stages. And so, um, so the resilience, you know, requires extremely high, right. And, and so I think the way you tap into that resilience is, is that you just have a fundamental, you know, passion about what you're doing. And you really believe that doing that's just so important to the world and important to yourself that, you know, not just on the good days, but on the toughest of days and weeks, you know, you still can tap into that, tap into that resilience. Um, and then the third thing I'll say is, you know, nothing goes according to what you planned, you know, whether it's your pitch deck, your board deck, your annual plan, your quarterly plan. And so you got to come back to having the right team. Right. And so if you have the right team, you have the right people, all, you know, kind of on the bus, uh, as Jim Collins says, like that's, you know, requirement number one, right? You guys have a common vision, common set of values, because everything else fundamentally, it, there's going to be so many unknowns. But if you can get that right, um, you know, then you're best equipped to, you know, kind of make the right choices and, and navigate, you know, navigate and execute, you know, against uh, against your plans as, as best as, um, you know, the real world kind of brings them to you. No, thanks, Callan. I appreciate you, um, you know, talking about Brian's site there and, and fantastic advice and, you know, an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast and uh, yeah, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Yeah. Thanks, Christian. I appreciate you having me and great, great to reconnect. 